Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Geezy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and CastBox. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York. Well, I'm still in a foul mood after my Philadelphia Eagles lost to the Seattle Seahawks in Sunday's NFC wildcard game, a contest that saw Eagles quarterback Carson Wentz get knocked out by a dirty hit from the Seahawks to Davian Clowney. I'll have thoughts on that later in my parting shots comment. But first, my good friend Freddie Coleman of ESPN Radio joins me once again to talk on a variety of topics in the sports world. Freddie, uh, welcome back to the podcast. Happy New Year. Uh, How were your holidays? The holidays were good, my friend. Always good to have a chance to go see family with my mom and dad living in New York and also my in-laws living in South Carolina and the South Carolina-Georgia line. So I had a terrific holiday. How about you, my friend? It was good. I mean, I had Christmas Day off, which I usually get to have every year. And uh, it's kind of nice to be able to spend with the family and some uh, some of our neighbors. We would go over to the neighbor's house every year for uh, a little Christmas dinner and, uh, and socialize. It was a lot of fun. And uh, back to the grind, and um, just got an announcement on Tuesday. My son once again made the Dean's List at Albany, so I'm proud of him and uh, smart. Wow. Team, and he's doing great. Yeah, go great Dean, huh? More yeah. than a little bit for you, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so let's uh, dive into some sports topics here. Let's begin with the college football playoff uh, national championship game Monday night, which will be on ESPN at ESPN Radio. Number one LSU and number three Clemson. Is this going to be one of those games where it's going to be last team with the ball wins? I don't know if it's going to be last team with the ball wins, but I firmly expect, Kent, that this is going to be a high-scoring game because the LSU offense has been extremely, extremely prolific under Joe Burrow, the Hydra Trophy winner, of course. But now that defense has really started to make some headway, they got better as the regular season go along, was able to go along. But this Clemson football team is not going to be overwhelmed by playing a de facto home game for LSU in New Orleans. They're not going to be overwhelmed by the of the moment of playing for a national championship. He believed that the fact that they were able to survive against Ohio State when Ohio State was clearly a better team for three quarters. But Clemson found a way to win. I don't think it's going to be a last person with the ball situation, but I firmly expect it's not going to be a 20 game, not along those lines involving both of these teams. Yeah, I mean, I just, watching what I could while I was working at uh, Saturday night during the semifinals, just what uh, Joe Burrow and LSU did in the first cap against Oklahoma was just Utterly, it's almost like video game, like uh, seven touchdown passes in one half. I mean, that's unheard of. Yeah, I can't remember seeing an offense this dynamic that quickly, what they've been able to do, what we've seen from LSU so far this season. And, yeah, we've seen good offensive teams, especially in the age of spread football and RPO football, football. but you blinked your eyes in that game. And it went from 7-7 at the Oklahoma scored their touchdown. They feel good about themselves. To 42 to 7, and at that point, you're thinking the third stringers are going to be in the fourth quarter by this football game for both of these football teams. Their ability with Joe Burrow in this offense, and also with Brady, the offense coordinator, has done a terrific job just unleashing the weapons and making sure they have that quick strike ability and that quick big play ability. It'll be interesting to see how their Clemson defense, that's of course not as good as last year, and can't get pressure on the quarterback like they did last year, how they'll be able to try to combat that and make Joe Burrow as uncomfortable as they possibly can to make sure they have a chance in this game. You know, Trevor Lawrence obviously led Clemson to the national championship last year. Sort of had a rough start to the season, but it seemed like the second half of the year something clicked with him. Uh, and then he, and then in this game against Ohio State in the semifinal, he uh, he took a hit and something seemed to click with him. And his, 
it seems like this this kid is just uh, amazingly focused. One, if something happens, he he doesn't seem to panic. Yeah, the one thing I think that really quit for Trevor Lawrence was that he stopped trying to do too much and trust the fact that he has a terrific offensive line, a great running back at ETN, who I think is going to be a terrific NFL player, and he's got quality wide receivers on the outside. I think Trevor Lawrence fell victim to the trap, Ken, of trying to live up to the expectations of being a Heisman Trophy candidate and what he was able to do last year in the college ball playoffs against Notre Dame and then Alabama. I think once he was able to escape that trap and feel unleashed a little bit and breathe a little bit, that's when we saw the Clemson offense and the Clemson football team go to a different level. And I clearly understand the ACC is not as good as the Big Ten. It's not as good as the SEC, and Clemson is running that conference right now. But they were able to jump on teams early and not try to say to themselves, let's not worry about the pressure. We're always going to have pressure being a Clemson football team, but we got to go out there and just be Clemson. And the minute that he was able to do that internally, we saw what kind of great effect that happened externally for this Clemson football team and not just on the offensive side of the ball. You said, obviously, it's a de facto home game for LSU gets it being played at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome in uh, New Orleans. But Clemson has the uh, experience in these games. I mean, they've been in this thing. You know, they've won, a national, they've won two the national championship. I believe, and I mean, how much is experience going to play a factor in this? Maybe Because, I mean, obviously, the expectation for LSU, they're home, basically. Uh, I mean, do you, you think experience might win out a little bit? Experience helps when you have talent. You can be an experienced team, but if you don't have talent, it's not going to matter because the most talented team that they play focused is going to beat you. They're not going to beat themselves. This is an experienced Clemson team that has a lot of talent on both sides of the football, and I can't imagine how much more emboldened they were able to be by surviving against Ohio State. They're probably thinking, man, they had us dead to rights and they couldn't put us away. So we're not going to be in fear of LSU. I think that's where that experience factor can really help Clemson because they have the meat experience of dealing with a big-time championship moment, and they're able to find a way to get to where they wanted to be, and that's playing for a national championship. That's why I think experience can be a really good teacher in this ballgame. Now, of course, it's easy to say that, but we're not the gentlemen out there running onto the field. we got the LSU fans yelling, go Tigers, and Mike the Tigers going to roar, and everybody probably had too much green-green and too much etouffee over the weekend down in New Orleans supporting LSU. So you know they're going to be – they're going to have that rabid dog feeling ready for Clemson. But the fact they're a talented football team, an experienced football team, but more importantly, a winning football team, it's not going to throw them as much as what as it would another team that would have talent but has not been in that situation before. So who's your pick? I got LSU winning, and I wonder if it's going to come back to haunt me because Dabble Sweeney is one of the great motivators in college football because how can a guy – have a program like this that's an elite program but they feel like underdogs in every game they're going to play. He's a master, master psychologist, what he's been able to do to have that kind of effect on his football team where they feel they're not getting respect from anybody. They felt that way when they played Ohio State. They felt that way in the regular season getting to the college playoffs. He's done a great job of saying, we're not Alabama, we're not Ohio State, we're the rest of them uh, with everybody else in college football. But the LSU team, I think the X factor in this game is that defense. If Clemson plays the way they did in the first half against Ohio State, they're not going to escape because that LSU team is not going to settle for field goals. They're going to wind up getting touchdowns, and that's going to be the big difference. It's going to be a hard game for LSU to win, but I think it's all said and done. The LSU Tigers will find a way to win this championship and get it done for Ed Orgeron and go Tigers once again. <laughs> One other question on the college football. It amazes me, Clemson, this day and age of college football, that um – yeah, they cannot have not haven't lost in a couple of years. I mean, how impressive is that to you? Especially more than ever before, when 
distractions that 18 to 22 year olds are going to have to endure. And a lot of those distractions are self-inflicted, whether it's social media, whether it's egos, whether it's selfishness, whatever that is. More than ever before, college football coaches have so much to deal with because the players are bringing so much to deal with to any kind of college football program or big-time college basketball, big-time even even college baseball. So the fact that they've been able to do this, knowing that each and every game, you're getting somebody's A plus attitude, and even even though you're even though you know your B game is going to be better than that A game, you just never know how that's going to factor and how the ball's not going to bounce your way. The fact they've been able to go about this, knowing that everybody has them in their sights, and they're the number one game on everybody's schedule, inside or outside the ACC, and yet they have this kind of winning streak, and they've knocked down Alabama, they've knocked down Ohio State, they've knocked down Notre Dame, they've beat quality opponents along the way. It's a tremendous, tremendous coach. Gabo Sweeney and a tremendous attitude that this Clemson football team has, that they're not going to be beaten by themselves. You're going to have to do that. Well, let's talk about the NFL playoffs and the wild card weekend lived up to its name. It was a wild weekend. We saw three of the four games won by road teams, and we saw the Super Bowl champion New England Patriots ousted by the Tennessee Titans. And is this the end of Tom Brady in New England? I don't think so. I think he comes back for one more year. And believe me, if Tom Brady has his way, he would go into his diabolical chamber and be the curious case of Benjamin Button and go back and reverse time so he can play football forever. That's the kind of mentality that he has. But I firmly believe it's not going to be a last time that we saw him play football this past weekend against the Tennessee Titans. I firmly believe he comes back for one more year. And I think the Patriots wanted to come back for one more year. But if you're in New England, you've got to find him a wide receiver that can top off his defense on the outside. That doesn't mean you sell your soul for a guy like Antonio Brown. That's the last thing you should do. There has to be somebody out there either in the draft that you believe in or somebody in free agency. You can say, yep, we need to get that guy to top off the defense. Because we saw that on Saturday night, Ken, that the Titans defense, they were not afraid of Tom Brady pushing the ball down the field because they knew he didn't have that guy that could do that. Now, maybe that happens next year in training camp with Nikhil Harry going into his second year. He just played his, he just finished his first year out of Arizona State. Maybe he can become that guy. But until they have that ability that they can hit you with that big play down the field, we're going to see a lot of those squeezing type moments of defenses that makes those windows very, very tough to throw through or throw into if you're top ready. So if that happens, if they get that guy on the outside back to top off a of defense, then we're going to see the Tom Brady that we saw last year when they won the Super Bowl and won that championship against the Rams. Not the Tom Brady the Patriots obviously saw this year. They had to run the ball a little bit more because they did not have that guy on the outside that defense respected or were threatened by, especially making those big plays down the field. I'm an angry Philadelphia Eagles fan still, Freddie, a couple days after they were eliminated by Seattle. I'm angry with how the NFL officials did not penalize Clowney for the spear, the head back, the head the hit to the back of Carson Wentz's head that knocked him out of the game. Is it, I mean, is it time for the league to you know, be serious about head, head shots? Because it just doesn't seem like, yeah, they talk the talk, but it doesn't seem like they're walking the walk. Well, I think they are walking the walk, but here's to, to your point. It wasn't so much that it was a penalty that was missed. I think a lot of times because these officials have to do a better, better job of being in a proper place. But here's the problem with that, Ken. It's hard to do that in a game that gets bigger, faster, and stronger every year. And these athletes are just colossal in their speed and their ability to get to a play quickly. You may think you can't anticipate being there, but they're going to be quicker than that. And the NFL has done a really good job weeding out older officials or non-productive officials. Everybody's going to complain about officiating, especially when it's going to affect your team. Where you say to yourself, man, how did they miss that? 
see how fast the NFL game is. Watch an NFL game in a stadium from field level, and you'll be amazed that guys are not passing out or dying on every play because that's how fast and physical and violent this game is. So, yeah, the officials missed the call, but I can clearly see how they missed that call because Jadavion Clowney is a freak of nature. He got to that spot even a lot quicker than even Carson Wentz could have anticipated. And, yeah, penalty flag should have been thrown. Yeah, they should have looked at it. But you got to look at it from the standpoint of these officials are still the best in the game. They are the best in the world. And they're going to miss plays because the game gets faster and faster each and every year. I had a brief Twitter uh, exchange with uh, Terry McCauley, who uh, former NFL referee, is now doing the uh, rules expert for N- NBC's NFL coverage. And I asked him, should they bring the college targeting rule in, where you have a review of somebody in the in the booth uh, looking at these replays? And he said he doesn't like the automatic ejection aspect of it. But from the standpoint, is it maybe the league should have somebody? Uh, in the press box, uh, buzzing down the referee, saying, "Hey, let's take a look at this. Maybe we need to penalize uh, this head helmet to helmet hit." Hey, yeah, I'm all for that because if you're going to get it right, but if you're going to continue to slow down the game, then no, I don't want that. And I think Kyle has done a really good job tweaking the targeting rule, was not slowing down the pace of the game. I've always been a big believer that if you're going to look at a replay, you don't need any more than 60 seconds. If you have not been able to make a decision by 60 seconds, then move on. Let's play football. I think too many times when the targeting rule first came into play in college football, they were taking way too much time, or instant replay, they were taking way too much time, and they got on the replay officials about that. They're like, look, we don't want to slow down the pace and the rhythm in this game. If you can't see anything within 45 seconds, let's just move on and play football. So if you're going to do that in the NFL to have somebody up there to buzz down to officials that there may have been a targeting rule that they might have missed or didn't have a chance to enforce, I'm all for that. But if you're taking 90 seconds or two minutes, no, I don't think that has any place in the National Football League. 45 to 60 seconds is all you need. And sometimes you don't even need any more than that because you've got two sets of eyes up there that should be able to decipher what happened in about 20 to 25 seconds. Anything longer than 30 to 45 seconds, it's not going to be good for replay, and it's not going to be good for the game. So these are four games this weekend. Who's advancing to a championship Sunday next week? Man, I mean, I thought we saw a lot of wildness with Wild Card Weekend. It would not surprise me again to see that kind of thing when it comes to this divisional playoff weekend in the National Football League. I think Kansas City is going to beat the Houston Texans. Their defense has played extremely well. I don't think that Texas offense will be able to keep up with the Kansas City offense. And the Texas defense hasn't been that good, even though J.J. Watt had a great comeback. So I got Kansas City winning that ball game in the AFC. And the other AFC game between Baltimore and Baltimore and the Tennessee Titans could be really interesting. Tennessee wants to run the football. The problem with that is Baltimore can do that as well. And they got a dynamic quarterback in Lamar Jackson. I can't see Tennessee going in there building and beating them. So I got Baltimore and Kansas in the AFC getting to the AFC Championship weekend. And in the NFC, Minnesota's going to make it tough on San Francisco. This is not going to be an easy game, but I think the 49ers will find a way to get it done. And Green Bay, to me, can they be the most motivated team left in the playoffs? Because Aaron Rodgers is sick and tired of hearing people say that you should apologize for being a number one seed in the NFC. He is really ripe about hearing about that constantly. And as good as Seattle has been on the road, 7-1 on the road in the regular season, they win a road playoff game against the Philadelphia Eagles. Going into Lambeau Field and dealing with that environment may be a little bit too much for their young football team. Russell Wilson do his best. But I think it's going to be Green Bay, San Francisco in the NFC Championship game when it's all said and done this weekend. Well, that'll, be a lot, that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, coaching changed the league. Uh, Matt Rule going to Carolina. Uh, Mike McCarthy now in Dallas. And uh, the stunning one, uh, the New York Giants going with uh, Joe Judge. And everybody's like, who? What did you think of the, the Giants doing that? Well, here's the deal with that. And I get it that a lot of Giants fans were thinking, man, Ron Rivera was out there. You guys took too long to go after him. Matt Rule. 
fools out there who wanted to coach the Giants. It took too long to go after him. And now you're taking somebody from the Belichick tree. We've seen in the past that has not worked, but the Belichick tree to me is different now because Mike Brable played for him, but look what he's done to Tennessee Titans instead of having his own stamp on things. Bill O'Brien, what he's done to Houston, Texas, why I believe Brian Flores is going to do the Miami Dolphins. So the Belichick tree has gotten a lot stronger in terms of the branches branching away from Bill Belichick. But I will say this about Joe Judge. How about give the, the guy an opportunity to see what he can do? It's very easy to say, who is this guy? Why did they hire this guy? But a lot of people said that about John Harbaugh with the Baltimore Ravens. That's worked out pretty good. A lot of people said that about Mike Tomlin with the Pittsburgh Steelers. That has worked out pretty good. A lot of people said that about Pete Carroll with USC. That worked out extremely well until violations happened with that program. I've always been a big believer that we should not assess somebody's abilities if we don't give them a chance to see exactly what kind of football coach they're going to be or what kind of general manager that they're going to be. So I'm not a giant fan, but I'm not just going to dismiss Joe Judge and say, man, what's going on here? Why did they hire this guy? I'm sure a lot of people said that about Bill Belichick when the Patriots took a chance on him and he left the New York Jets. That has worked out for the last 20 years in New England, Bill Belichick. That's what Joe Judge can do if he has the stone to be learned anything from being on the staff of Nick Saban in Alabama and at Bill Belichick during the Patriots, I, I would have to believe he would be a lot better for the Giants than Pat Shermer was the last couple of years, or Ben McAdoo the two years before Pat Shermer got the job. Yeah, you're going to throw Doug Peterson into that uh, discussion, too, because a lot of Philadelphia Eagles fans, including myself, are like, who's Doug, you know, Doug Peterson? And what kind of head coaching experience? Uh, uh, Super Bowl championship later, cutting a couple of playoff appearances. You know, I think he's done all right. And the thing about that is it, everybody wants to go for a name factor or a sizzle factor. There have been plenty of great coaches that didn't have sizzle factor that brought that sizzle to their football teams. And look at any kind of championship coach that's been able to have that happen in the last 20 or 25 years. It's not so much winning the name game or winning the press conference game. If Dave Gellman believes that Joe Judge is the right guy, well, we'll see because Dave Gellman, he needs to hit a home run with this hire. It can't just be about a guy that he can control and want that guy to be a puppet ruler. You better believe that this is your guy that can run your football team because if Judge does not work out, the New York Giants are not going to let that mistake stay in the bill in the past two years. Judge will be gone and so will Dave Gellman. They'll be starting all over again. So Dave Gellman believes that this is the guy that it better work. But I'm willing to give it a chance to see if exactly Joe Judge has the stones to be a good head coach. Saying that he's not going to be a good head coach now, we have not heard anything from him. To me, it's not the right idea to go about that. I'm going to be curious to see how the uh, Mike McCarthy Jerry Jones relationship works out. Because you know Jerry Jones likes to, you know, speak his mind. I think he's the only owner that has post-game press conferences in the league, and I, I wonder why he people want to hear him talk. And I think yeah, he's got a good coach now. Maybe Jerry should just keep his mouth shut for a little while. Well, it doesn't bother me. Jerry Jones does not want to keep his mouth shut. If he wants to do that at the press conferences or do that at his radio show, I'm all for that. I don't want that voice in the locker room because Mike McCarthy has to be that voice a lot. Jerry Jones can be mad or happy or whatever about his football team and his radio show. I'm completely okay with that because I guarantee you, can. plenty of guys at Cowboys in that locker room are rolling their eyes anytime Jerry Jones says something because it's not about him. It's about the players and coaches in that locker room. Mike McCarthy has to be that voice. So Jerry Jones is going to pontificate about this, that, and the other thing. Go right ahead. As long as he's not doing that in the locker room, as long as he's not doing that in one-on-one -on -one player meetings that he may want to have with his team, if he's not doing that, then Mike McCarthy is going to be okay. If he is doing that, Mike McCarthy is not just going to be silent about that. Jason Garrett didn't say a word about it, but Mike McCarthy, he's not that one. And Jerry Jones has to have known that. You don't bring in a guy that has a Super Bowl championship and 125 coaching wins and got the Packers before NFC Championship 
make good money to see uh, Mike McCarthy throw Jerry Jones out the window. <laughs> That'd be the best 30 for 30 ever. What led to the process of Mike McCarthy doing something like that? <laughs> One final question for you, Freddie. And I, I know I, I follow you on social media, and I, every night you post uh, your musical choices. How do you go selecting uh, what you want to play uh, when you go into and out uh, of your show on uh, ESPN Radio? That's a really good question, and the best answer that I can give you, Ken, is I look for things that kind of have a rhythm. And to me, rhythm can be anything. It's not just about hip-hop music or soul music or dance music. For example, All Night Long by Joe Walsh has a great rhythm. LaGrange by ZZ Top has a great rhythm. Rumors by Lee Bryce has a great rhythm. So I always look for that, that I kind of feel that kind of rhythm and pace that can really say, that even if you don't know the song, you go, man, that's a pretty good record. I wonder who that is. Or, man, I haven't heard that song in a long time. I want people to have that kind of rhythm that leads us into our segments where we're, we're trampolining off of that. So it's giving us that push. We want people to feel the same way when they're listening to our show. So that's what I've always looked for with any kind of song that we use on our show that can get us going, whether it's the top of the hour, wherever that's going to be the leaders in the segments. It has to have a kind of rhythm, have a kind of feel to it. And it can be something that's a down-tempo record, but has a great feel and great rhythm to it. And I think a lot of people get a kick out of that. Oh, yeah, because I, when I used to uh, do the college hockey uh, segment on Fox Sports 980 here in Albany, uh, I always always had musical themes in me. I would honor uh, artists who had passed away, or if there was just some yep. guest who would have a theme to it, I would do that. Unfortunately, uh, with the podcast, you can't do that because you got to pay royalties. We really can't afford to pay musical royalties. <laughs> appreciate a few moments and uh, once again remind people where they can find you on social media uh, you can find me on twitter at coleman espn also on instagram at coleman experience so i'm always posting stuff with the show and outside of the show i don't mind interacting with people but that's where people can find me on twitter at coleman espn and on instagram at coleman experience well freddie appreciate you once again coming on let's maybe do this again right before super bowl uh sunday coming up uh, next month I'm looking forward to that, Ken. It would be an honor, my friend. I can't wait to do that then. I appreciate it. That's Freddie Coleman of ESPN Radio. I'll have a parting shot and wrap up the podcast in just a moment. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and CastBox. Hi, this is Daily Gazette sports editor Michael Kelly. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette associate sports editor Ken Shot. Back to wrap up the podcast. It's been a while since I've done a Parting Shot commentary, and I have one for you now. I wonder if the NFL is really concerned about player safety. To me, it's still a clowny show. After watching my beloved Philadelphia Eagles lose their star quarterback Carson Wentz to a concussion, Thanks to a cheap shot from Seattle Seahawks defensive end Jadavian Clowney in the first quarter of Sunday's NFC wildcard game, the NFL needs to take a look at how its officials handle headshots. If you didn't see the play, Wentz was scrambling for yardage when Clowney caught up to him. Clowney first got him in the back with his shoulder. As Wentz was going to the ground, Clowney used his helmet to deliver a shot to the back of Wentz's head and drove him into the ground. Replays clearly showed that it was not only a helmet-to-helmet shot, but a spear. Like all Eagles fans, I was waiting for a flag. Well, I guess I'm still waiting. Referee Sean Smith and his crew decided that there was not a foul committed. Are you serious? 
We have seen penalties for roughing the passer that were less violent than what happened to Wentz. Afterwards, when interviewed by a pool reporter, Smith said that it was incidental contact. In the words of Colonel Sherman T. Potter, horse hockey. Clowney should have received a 15-yard personal foul penalty and maybe even been ejected from the game. Plain and simple, the officiating crew blew it. Wentz went from the blue medical tent to the locker room, never to be seen on the field again. The Eagles had to use 40-year-old backup quarterback Josh McCowan. While he did a decent job, he wasn't able to lead the Eagles to victory. The Seahawks won 17-9. If the NFL really cares about player safety, it needs to effectively penalize headshots. It's time for the league to employ an official in the press box to monitor headshots. If there is a significant headshot not called by the on-field officials, then the official in the press box should buzz the referee to have him take a look at the play. If the referee deems it a helmet-to-helmet hit, it should be a 15-yard personal foul penalty. Now, should the NFL go to the college route and have the targeting rule, where there's not only a 15-yard penalty, but a player ejection? I had a brief Twitter exchange with former NFL referee Terry McCauley, who is the rules expert for NBC's Sunday Night Football. McCauley, who acknowledged that Kalani should have been penalized, said to me, I don't like the automatic DQ aspect of the college rule, but I would like to see player safety fouls be reviewable in some manner. How about getting it done, NFL? Forget the pass interference controversy. Start worrying about the headshots. My anger isn't just directed at the NFL. First, why did NBC, which televised the game, basically ignore the play? Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth, and Michelle Tafoya spent more time talking positively about Clowney. And Tafoya failed to do her job in her post-game interview with Clowney by not asking him about knocking Wentz out of the game. Then there are those idiotic critics who say that, once again, Wentz can't stay healthy. The concussion comes after his torn ACL in 2017 and his fracture back in 2018. When ESPN NFL and college football analyst Dan Orlovsky tweeted, for all the folks out there using this Carson Wentz injury on a very questionable hit to his head as a time to rehash the Carson can't stay healthy argument, respectfully, you should be ashamed of yourself. Danny Cannell, a serious XM NFL analyst who couldn't keep his job at ESPN, replied, respectfully disagree. Not saying he's soft, but some dudes aren't built for the NFL. Until Wentz actually plays a full season, it's a more than fair question. Well, first of all, Wentz played all 16 regular season games this season. Second, how many teams did Canal help lead to a Super Bowl? Last time I checked, the number is zero. When Eagles fans started ripping his response, Canal tried to backpedal, tweeting, just to be clear, I am not, and never would, questioning Carson Wentz's toughness. I have questioned his durability, and honestly, given his track record, I have no clue why some are so upset with this more than reasonable question. Honestly, I hope I'm wrong. He's a special player. Nice try, Cannell, but yes, you're wrong. Then there is former Denver Broncos wide receiver Brandon Stokely, who co-hosts a sports talk show in Denver with Scotia Glenville graduate and former 104.5 the team host Zach By. After Wentz got hurt, Stokely tweeted, Carson Wentz hurt again. He's just way too unreliable to be a franchise QB, but the Eagles have no other choice now. Should have kept Foles. He was a perfect fit for them, Eagles. If Stokely had been paying attention this season, he would have seen that Nick Foles suffered a broken collarbone in his first start with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And guess where Foles was at the end of the season? On the bench! Eagles fans appreciate what Foles did in replacing the injured Wentz, 
in leading them to the Super Bowl 52 victory over the New England Patriots and getting them to the playoffs last year after Wentz went down again. But everyone seems to forget that Eagles fans were calling for Nate Sudfeld to start the 2017 playoffs after Foles looked awful in the final two regular season games. And truth be told, Foles was so-so in last year's playoffs. Weak-minded people will continue to play the Wentz can't stay healthy card, but this wasn't a knee or a back injury. He got concussed on a dirty play. It's up to the NFL to do a better job in penalizing helmet-to-helmet hits. As a reminder, the You Pick on Football picks will continue during the NFL playoffs. So please go to dailygazette.com and click on Contest and Promotions. If you're a college hockey fan, look for my weekly ECAC hockey face-off selections at dailygazette.com slash sports slash parting shots. You can participate in the face-off selections by emailing your picks to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. Union Hockey Beat writer Mike McGadden and I will be talking about the Dutchman on the next College Hockey-Centric podcast on Friday, January 10th. We'll look back at the Dutchman's results from last weekend's North Country trip and preview their home games against Colgate and Cornell. I'll also have comments from Union women's hockey coach Josh Skiba, who was an assistant coach for the U.S. women's under-18 team that won the gold medal at last week's World Championship. If you have questions or comments about Union hockey, Mike and I will answer them. Send your questions to shot at dailygazette.com. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I'd like to thank ESPN Radio's Freddie Coleman for coming on the show. The Parting Shots podcast is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as CastBox. Subscribe today. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Slapshots. The views expressed in the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of Gazette newspapers. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of Gazette newspapers. I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Shot. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Party Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports.